0: And uh, I, I just want to say a thank you as well. Um, one of my favorite things about our church is just the spirit of generosity that so many of you have. And I hope you know you're not just making a difference over in Ukraine. We're able to help some refugees here locally as well. And I just want to say thank you. Well, I have a confession to start with, and that is that um, my wife, Jamie, likes to tell people before we were dating that she thinks I was somewhat of a player okay like I was dating all these girls before her I, I I've really pushed back and disagreed with her but this week as I was preparing for the message I decided I'm going to call her and so I got her on speakerphone and I said hey would you still tell people like before we were dating I was a player she immediately said oh you were you were and before I started to push back I, I, I was on speakerphone. my do- my youngest daughter in the background goes you were daddy you were I was like you weren't even there punk like what are you talking about you know as much as I want to push back, uh, Jamie has one story that she likes to hold over me, and uh, do, do you want to hear it? Okay, you can't tell anybody, though. Okay, you can't tell anybody. The story is that uh, my sophomore year, uh, which is when Jamie and I met, my sophomore year, I was seeing and talking to two girls at the exact same time. Woo! <laughs> I, I know, not like not good, right? Not good. I, I I feel a little bit of judgment coming my way right now. Uh, for the record, I was 19 and stupid, like stupid, okay? But I, what, what happened was I just found myself wavering between these two girls. On one hand, there, there was their brunette, and she was this cute, really sweet girl. She played on our, our girls' volleyball team at the Bible college I went to. I played on the guys' team, so I kind of like that. Plus, she was this famous childhood actress. She actually played... One of the kids on Little House on the Prairie, if any of you remember that, that show, kind of dating myself a little bit. So I kind of liked that. I was interested. Okay, that was the, that was the brunette. Then there was this blonde girl. And man, she, I, she had these brown eyes. She just captivated you when you saw her. She played on our soccer team. And I thought she was gorgeous. So I was interested there as well. But I found myself wavering. I was giving attention to both of these girls at the exact same time. Now my roommates picked up on this and they said, What are you doing? Like you gotta choose. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mess up both these. And they were right, because how many of you know in a relationship without monogamy, there's eventually misery? And and by the way, this is just a side note, in our culture today, there's a lot being talked about and written about, and people are experimenting with something called what's called an open marriage. And an open marriage is when people stay married, but they open the marriage for either one or both to just kind of go have sex or do what they want in certain parameters with other people. And, and I just want to tell you, I think that's stupid on steroids. <laughs> and you watch, you, you watch. No, just watch, don't clap, just, you just watch. That in every single one of those instances, eventually it will all fall apart. Because relationships are designed to, by God to have monogamy, now, I wasn't sleeping with either of these girls, but I was, I was fully giving my attention to both at the same time. I was wavering, and I almost ruined both of them. I almost ruined it all. Because what happened was the blonde found out, and she came to me, and in so many words she said, you better choose right now. And I did, and luckily I chose right, because that blonde today is my wife, Jamie. And she's the mother of our three girls. Um, I love her with everything inside of me. And she is the greatest gift that God has given me outside of Jesus. But I just need you to know, when I was wavering, I almost destroyed everything. And today, I believe God is going to call many of us to stop wavering when it comes to him. You know what a lot of us would say today is say something like this. It's it's not that I'm not giving my attention to God. I mean, I believe in God. I mean, I, I love God, but here's the reality. God is not first place in your life, and you know it. Now, God doesn't just need to be first place in your life. He demands first place. He is first and he is best, and he has to be first in your life. The first of the Ten Commandments is what? The most important of all the Ten Commandments, Exodus 23, God says this, you must not have any other little g, -g God, before me. You can't have anything above me. Jesus, when he was on earth, people said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus answered this way in Matthew chapter 22. He started this way. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What is Jesus saying? Every single bit of you, every bit of you, God has to be first. Why? Because unless God is first place in your life, your life will spin out of control that's where some of you are. And as we've been studying the life of Elijah, we started this series, The World Spins Madly On. We're looking at one man, Elijah, this Old Testament prophet. His stories found mainly in the book of 1 Kings. And Elijah was living during a day where, where people had stopped putting God first. God was no longer first. They began to follow all these little G gods, all these idols and false gods. And a king named Ahab during this time and his wicked wife, Jezebel, They were kind of the ringleaders, and they were introducing other gods, the gods of Baal and Asherah. And here's the deal. I just want you to to let this sink in. It's not that the people of God had stopped believing in God. It's not that they didn't love God anymore. They just began wavering between God and all these other gods. And you can go to Israel today. You can go to the Israel Museum. I've been there for myself, and you can see some of the idols, some of the clay and gold and silver idols that people were worshiping during the time of Elijah. You can see you can see they're real. These are dug up from archaeological fact and You can see that that they were worshiping Asherah. These are some pictures of Asherah. People had up in their houses, and Asherah was the god of sex and fertility. and, And she said, hey, just sleep with whoever, whenever, in their temples. Like the church of their day, they had prostitutes you could go sleep with to worship. That's how crazy it was. And then they had the god Baal, which I'll show you some pictures of Baal. These are real pictures. He was often depicted as a bull. And Baal was the God of the sky, of rain and, and, and fertility from the sky because it was an agricultural culture and the only way the economy ran was if it was raining and your crop, crops were growing. So people turned to a God named Baal to hope, hope that, that he would provide economic security for them instead of God. And this is the environment in which Elijah's ministering to. And I think you can look at some of those images and And do you look at some of those and go, how primitive? Like how dumb is that? Who in their right mind would take a lifeless object and begin to worship it? (laughs) Like who who would give all their devotion, all their attention to something so lifeless and an object like that? Who would do that? We would. And it looks very different today. We may not be worshiping the God Asherah, but isn't it true that we worship the gods of sex and sexuality? It blows me away that in our culture today, there are people that their soul identity, the way they describe themselves and the, the, the core of who they are is based on their sexuality. Not who God says they are, not what God wants, but how they feel sexually. We are worshiping the gods of sex and sexuality. We may not worship the god Baal, but are we worshiping money, economic security? I mean, you touch America's stock market and financial institutions, you watch the whole country just crumble. So it looks different, but it's the same. It's the same. And if you're taking notes today, that the tricky thing with idols is this, is an idol is, is really anything that you value more than God. That's how you can think of an idol. It's anything. And I might say it this way. An idol is anything you seek to give you what only God can. And the human heart is an idol factory. We are always producing idols that are are trying to take God's place. In fact, Paul, in in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, there's all these things lurking in you. I like that language. They're just lurking in your heart, all these earthly things. They're trying to take God's place. And he gives some examples like sexual morality and impurity and lust and all these evil desires. And then he talks about greed, like this always desire for more, more money, more stuff. He says, that is being an idolater. It's, It's having an idol above God. Now, it's easy for us to kind of throw out the big ones, right? Like, eh, it's sex, money. Those are the big big idols in our culture as well as power. But what I want you to let sink in today is this. Idols are not always bad things. I hope you're taking notes today because somebody needs to write this down. Idols are often good things that take God's place, that we put in God's place. And that means anything can be an idol, right? Your, your cat could be an idol if you love your cat. Come on. No, really. I mean, money and, and sex are not inherently bad things. But the moment something good that God gave us takes God's place and we decide to do it our way and however we want, then it becomes a bad thing. It, it takes God's place. But remember, it's often good things. That means a career can be an idol. This is gonna hit someone here today. I think one of the greatest idols in our culture today is, is our kids. It's your kids. And, you, and you, you, some of you, your kids you put above God, you know how you know? Some of you miss church all the time because of your kids' activities. And what you're telling your kids and what you're telling your whole entire family is is, is your happiness, kids, your future that I'm trying to set up, that's more important than us worshiping God, the only eternal thing that lasts. Some of you put your kids above your marriage and it's destroying it. Like we just have so many idols. And before you think I'm just talking to you, I promise you as I was putting this message together, God's speaking to me. My heart is an idol factory. I mean, I can think of so many times in my life that I've, I've had idols. I was, I was thinking this week, I was like, man, I, I've had so many things, but just to make it relevant and real like today, there's been times that, that my job in this church is an idol. Like I've actually put my job in this church over my family or even my relationship with God. God. A good thing can be an idol if it takes God's place. And I've, I've found my value sometimes in my work instead of my value in who God says I am. I, I, it breaks my heart how many idols I have. And we all have to remember that we have an enemy, Satan, that will do anything to get us to follow anything but God. I'll put it this way. Satan will do anything to get you to put any everything to put anything in God's place. Let me say that again. Your enemy will do everything to get you to put anything in God's place. And the big idea today is this, with idols and false gods. False gods always promise what only the true God can provide. And what Elijah is gonna do is in an environment of of people putting many things over God, which is exactly the same environment we're in today, Elijah is going to give a prophetic word that I believe God wants to speak into the life of so many of us today. And here's the prophetic word. It's time to stop wavering. It's time to stop wavering. So Elijah's gonna go to King Ahab and he's gonna give this message and we're gonna pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 17. When he, that's King Ahab, saw Elijah coming towards him, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel. Now troubler is kind of him talking smack. He says, you, you snake, you, you viper. Why is he calling him a troubler? Because remember last week, it had stopped raining in Israel because God wanted to show the people, you can't rely on a false God to provide you what only I can, your economic security. Don't rely on a false God. Elijah pushed back. He goes in, in verse 18. Elijah says, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands. You've followed the Baals and Asherah and all these other gods. Now summon the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel. There's going to be a battle on Mount Carmel. You can still go there today. I've stood on the top of Mount Carmel. It's, it's epic and then Elijah says this, and bring me the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah that you guys are all worshiping and leading you astray. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Now just, just picture this in your mind for a moment. All of Israel's is going to gather together. And it's one Elijah versus 450 prophets of Baal which is a really bad odds, right? One, verse 450. Unless you know what Elijah knows, which is this. One is always a majority with God. Elijah is gonna show who can really be depended on. So Elijah, verse 21, Elijah went before the people, and here's what he said. It's a battle, right? He said this, how Long are you going to say it out loud with me? Say it loud. Waver. waver. How long are you gonna waver between two opinions? God and all these other false gods you're 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 following. And I, I love the imagery here because the Hebrew word waver, you know what it means? It literally means to limp along, to hobble. It's where we get the English idiom to ride the fence. You ever said that? Stop riding the fence. Actually, I looked up the sign language for waiver and one of the signs for for waiver is is, watch this, this is what it is. Watch this, watch this. Riding the fence and limping along in life. And that's where some of us are. We've been, we've been wavering. And it, again, the people, it's not like they ditched God. They had God down here and all these other false gods up here, which is where some of us are at. And so I wrote in my notes this, when you ride the fence with God, you always, always, always end up with a splintered life. Some of your life is is splintered, it's disjointed, it's falling apart. And it is because simply you've not put God first. So Elijah, I like his words. Hey, how long are you gonna live that way? How long is it gonna take before you decide between one or the other? And I love what he says next. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, go all in and follow him. Now, the the, the word follow in the Hebrew means to die to. Think about it this way, to go all in, to sell out to. And here's exactly what Elijah is saying. Let me contextualize it for all of us. You got to decide. And whenever you decide, sell out. Like sell out to that. So, hey, hey, if money and possessions and accumulating more is, is your God, sell out go after the biggest house always and the nicest cars and and you go shop, shop, shop till you drop and you're going to remodel your house. Don't do one room at a time. Come on. Do it all at once. Go into debt up into your eyeballs. Just consume like crazy. Stop messing around. And by the way, like giving to your church and generosity towards others, don't give another dime. Sell out to money and possessions if that's your God. Hey, if image is your God, the only thing that should matter in your life is working out so you look amazing, buying new clothes so you always look hip and posting all that on social media with unbelievably filtered messages so your image is unbelievable. And don't, everyone, don't let anyone see the real you. Lie to people, fake it. Image is everything. If you need to tan it, tuck it, curl it, or color it, do it. (laughs) Go all in. It's your image. Hey, if career is your God, stop messing around. Don't pour into your marriage anymore. Who cares about your kids who want a mom and dad? Just sell out to your career. Go after it. And if sex and sexuality... If you think that's going to gonna satisfy you versus, versus God, sleep with whoever, whenever, however. It's your body and you do whatever you want with it. Now, if you're not married, awesome. Go for it. Maybe never consider marriage, right? Just sex with everybody. <laughs> now, if you are married, don't let a little thing like marriage get in the way of you getting out and having some fun. Forget the guilt, forget the STDs. Hey, forget that your marriage will fall apart. Just go after sex. Do you see what Elijah's saying? But if God is God, go all in. Stop wavering. This is the message that's as relevant today as it was almost 3,000 years ago. And to make this real today, I want you to see the real life story of someone in our church that was wavering and had to decide who he was gonna put on the throne in his life. I want you to hear Travis's story. Watch this.
1: I- I played basketball pretty much my whole life. I had Jesus in my life, he was there, he was present, uh, but he wouldn't be my main focus. After college, I was able to continue on and with my professional career. 10 years, uh, a whole decade, overseas mainly, uh, anywhere from Spain to Russia to Israel and in between. Uh, I very much enjoyed it, I, I lived for it. The idols in my life during those, that time in my life was definitely uh, money for sure, prestige uh, of like fame, uh, feeling importance. Those things were running my life in different capacities at different times, um, but they were the reasons that I was doing things, right? They were the reasons that I would train so hard. They were the reasons that I would want to get to a higher level of basketball. You know, my my family life was a little bit let down, right? Um, I always was putting myself down for my career. Um, Never thought I was making enough or I wasn't on a good enough team or getting enough mentions. My foundation was shaken when those things would come up in those situations in my life because they weren't rooted in Christ before. And eventually I realized that my wife is wiser than myself and we retired. We moved back. After 10 years playing professionally, we moved back to the U.S. permanently. We were in a small group before, but since bouncing back and forth overseas, we never really were connected. We said, hey, you know what, we're going to try to get plugged in. And she really wanted that down for where we're going to live. And that really brought us to a group of men and women that are forever now for sure going to be brothers and sisters in Christ, um, that will always be a part of our life. The, the biggest change in my life would be that I took myself off that throne and, and put God there and myself at the foot of it. So instead of just having him floating around and being one of the aspects of my life, he's, he's the center of my life and I filter my decisions and my thoughts um, through that. And understanding that I think has led me to a place that I want to, I want to help everyone understand that foundational root that they need. To live through my mistakes, kind of, uh, sort of speak, right? So they they can understand, hey, this is what this is what God says about us. And without without Jesus in our life, those things are going to make us fall and stumble at some point. Might not be right away, um, but there was times in my in my life that it did let me down, and uh, I realized eventually that I can't put my faith in those. Those false idols that were uh, controlling my life are definitely still around. Um, they're a temptation that I have to die to on a daily basis. Uh, the the more that I constantly think about putting him on the throne of my life, and those are just aspects of it, um, keeps me in check and keeps my life balanced in the correct way. The most important thing to me today is, is Christ and um, honestly raising my family up and trying to uh, Bring as many people as I can with me to heaven.
0: I, I love Travis's story because a sport isn't bad, but he took a good thing and he put it in God's place. And Travis had to reorient his life and that, that picture towards the end with him and his family and his kids, just there's so much on the line with putting God first. I like how uh, the great uh, pastor, uh, Charles Spurgeon, put it. He said, if you're going to be saved, be saved all the way, like all the way. And so Elijah tells the people, go all in. And when Elijah tells the people to go all in, he says, stop wavering. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21, the people's response, the people said what? Nothing. Because they were wavering. They wanted both. They wanted God and they wanted all these other gods And so what Elijah does next is he gets all the prophets together, 450 of them, and Elijah says, you take a bowl, I'm going to take a bowl, let's put it on an altar, and then let's pray to our God, you pray to your gods, I'm going to pray to the one God I have, and let's see who answers. And so verse 24, then you call on the name of your God, I'll call on the name of of the Lord, and the God who answers by what? By fire, that is the true God. Now this is a cool picture. In Elijah's day, a bull represented strength, vitality, success, prosperity. It's why Baal was often depicted as a bull. By the way, in our culture today, we still have the same depiction of a bull in the same way. Can I I give you one example? When, When the stock market is going awesome, what do we say? It's a what market? It's a bull market. So Elijah says, you take the symbol that represents all the success, all the happiness and vitality in life. Let's put it on an altar. Let's call on our gods. And the one who answers by fire, the one who lights up that altar with fire, that is the real God. In other words, here's here's the beautiful picture. Let's see which God can light up your life. The prophets of Baal say, okay, and this is the most heartbreaking part of the story to me because They said okay, which means they actually thought that Baal could deliver. So the contest starts and all the people say, what you say is good, let's do it. So Elijah is polite. He lets the prophets of Baal go first. You go ahead. So they put their, 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 their bull on the altar, and it says, verse 26, and they called out on the name of Baal from morning till noon, all morning long. Baal answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. What happens next cracks me up. The Bible's so funny when you really read it for like what it is. Elijah starts talking smack to him. Which makes me feel a little better because sometimes I have a friend on the golf course, we talk smack to each other, and I thought, well, man, a man of God can talk smack every once in a while. Elijah did it, right? Now, he did it for a good reason. Golf, probably not a good reason. But, anyways, he starts talking smack to these guys. Watch this. <laughs> At noon, Elijah began to taunt them Hey, just shout louder. I mean, surely he's a God, right? Uh, perhaps he's deep in thought, he's busy, he's traveling. Maybe he's just sleeping, he needs to be awake, and maybe he went sleeping nine night. Okay, Now, the word busy in the Hebrew, you can look this up. I'm not making this up. Look this up yourself. The word busy in the Hebrew, that's a very nice translation. It literally means in Hebrew, maybe he's going to the bathroom and he's stopped up. (laughs) There's some serious smack talk by Elijah. (laughs) So what happens? Verse 28. So they shouted louder and then they what? They slashed themselves to the point where they made themselves bleed they're, they're hurting out, they're calling on their God. Midday passed and they continued the frantic prophesying until the time of, of the evening sacrifice. They called out to their God from morning till evening. And what happened? There was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Why? Because false gods promise what only the true God provides. And some of you are sitting there today and you, you, you feel this more deeply because you've chased a career or money or success or you're doing sex your way, who cares what God says about it, and you've been chasing everything this world has to offer and it doesn't deliver. And then what did what it, what it say in the verse again? They begin to slash themselves. And I think this is a a real moment for someone to understand what happens when you don't put God first in your life. Because my experience as a pastor is when you live a life where God isn't first, eventually you're gonna start hurting yourself. You begin to slash yourself. It it may be actual cutting. Many people cut themselves because their life feels so numb. They just wanna feel something. You may be turning to alcohol or drugs and you're harming yourself. You're, You're doing things that are really destructive in life, you're, you're slashing yourself just like these people were because you're turning to a God that can't deliver. Oftentimes what happens is, is you just begin to destroy a family or your marriage falls apart or your, your anxiety and depression is off the charts because you've put something above God. And Elijah is going to prove to them there's only one God who can deliver. He goes on, verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, Elijah says, It's my turn. You've gone all day long. Elijah steps in in the evening. He stepped forward, and what does he do? He prayed. No theatrics, no dancing. Listen, God doesn't need your theatrics and dancing. God just needs your devotion. And Elijah prays. He just simply prays to God. He says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, just let it be known today that you are God 37, answer me, Lord, answer me, so these, so these people will know who delivers and that you're turning their hearts back to you. I love that. Verse 38, immediately. There's no waiting. It doesn't take all day long. Immediately, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, and the soil. And it licked up the water in the trench because Elijah had poured water over his bowl to say, I'll even pour water on mine and watch this. And a fire from heaven, imagine a fireball from heaven falling with so much force, so much power, so much heat that it just consumes everything. And it lights up everyone's life in that moment. And what is the people's response? Verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The people said, we've been wavering, Elijah. Now we know. Only God delivers. And as I'm reading that, I can sense right now on all of our campuses, God's spirit moving and God's calling somebody out. That it's time to stop wavering. The same message Elijah had. And I was, I was, as I was reading this story and studying it this week, I, I had this thought to myself. I said, God, well, if you sent a ball of fire like this weekend at CCV and everybody saw it, like, of course everyone would turn back to you. Like, maybe you should do that again, God. I don't know if you've been on fire recently, but is it an understatement to say it's hot? <laughs> when I was a kid, I... I, I I played with fire all the time. I was a, you asked my mom, I was a really bad kid. I lit two fields on fire growing up. One of them, the fire department got called in our little small town, they, they had to put it out. The second field I, I lit on fire, I was so afraid I was gonna get in trouble like the first time that I jumped in the middle of the fire to try to stomp it out with my own feet and it had already got too high so it burnt all the hair off my legs and I burnt all my legs as a little kid. Fire's hot. And if God sent a flame of fire right now, I promise you, you would have no doubt who God is. God, why don't you do that? And as I was having that thought, like God just pierced my heart. And I realized God has done something infinitely more powerful to show us his presence today, who he is. What did God do? He sent Jesus. He sent his only son to die on a cross for you, like to show you who he is. That's how much he loves you, he would die for you. And then Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death, the only person in human history to do that. And we all have that right in front of us. And when Jesus left this earth, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And what is a symbol of the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit came for the very first time, what what happened? It was fire. In someone's heart right now, your heart is burning because God's spirit is convicting you. It's time to stop wavering. Nothing else above me. It's time to go all in. So I want to do something a little bit different as we close today. I want, to, I want God to give you a moment to just speak to you. This is too big of a deal for us to pass this moment up. And so on all of our campuses, I wanna just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every person, nobody look around, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want God to speak to you, not Ashley, God. Here's a question I wanna ask you. I believe this is God speaking to you. Is there anything in your life, even a good thing, that you have placed above God? Is there anything on the throne of your life that's taking God's place. What is it? Where are you wavering? You know, for some of us, it's, it's something that, that we know is wrong that we need to remove. It could be pornography. It could be what we're doing sexually. We're doing it our way. We don't even care what God says. It could be a drug or dependence on alcohol. My sense, though, is for some of us, we, it's, just a, it's, just, it's just a good thing that we put in God's place, it, and we need to reorient our lives. It may be something we need to start, and many of us have never been baptized because we've, we've never decided to go all in. We're, we're wavering, we're, we're riding the fence. Some of us need to start giving God the first part of every day, that, that we be in God's word every day so he can fill our hearts and our minds, not the things of this world. Some of us need to give God the first part of every dollar we earn, so we aren't consumed by money. Some of us just need to give God the first part of every weekend, because our weekends, we live for us. And worship of God is optional, and we can't do optional when it comes to a God who demands our devotion. I don't know where God's calling you out today, but God's calling me out, and I believe he's calling our church out and you out, it's time to stop wavering. In a spirit of prayer, just keep your heads bowed. I just wanna pray over all of us. God, I I pray for every man and woman and and teenager and child here today. I just, I pray whatever you're telling us today, that burning in our heart where we know we got something above you, we, we just haven't prioritized our life. I pray that you give us action Help us to walk out these doors and not say, oh, I felt convicted. Conviction doesn't matter unless it leads to action. And give us, give us wisdom on how to reorient our lives. We may need to give something up. Some of us may need to take a child out of a sport. We may need to change our weekend plans. We may need to change our mornings. I don't know what you're calling us to. We may need to get help for an addiction. Whatever it is, Father, it's time for us to make a decision. And when we put you on the throne, and would we be at the bottom bowing to you, the God over all, and the only God that can truly deliver. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. CCV, let's stop wavering. Let's put God first, and I pray you go out and do that this weekend, starting now. Have a good one.